hello, welcome to session 11 of the recovery course. Tonight's talk is called Making Amends. And we're going to be looking at step eight, which says this. We made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And with that, we've put some words spoken by Jesus from Gospel of Luke. <clears throat> and this is what Jesus says. Here is a simple rule of thumb for behaviour. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. I tell you, he goes on, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. He goes on, be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Let's review what we have achieved so far and where we are now. <clears throat> so far on this course, in the first seven steps, we have been doing restoration work on our own individual lives. We started our recovery by, in step one by admitting uh, our powerlessness. We turned our wills and lives over to God's care in step three. In steps four and five, we began doing a moral inventory, which was highlighting our entrenched, long-standing resentments, and then sharing and confessing uh, these to God and another person we trust. And then in step six and seven, having identified our main character faults, we then humbly asked God to begin removing them. So far, as you can see, it has all been about me, all been about us. Now we're going to begin to restore our relationship with others. Our behaviour over the years has tended to cut us off from other people, and as a result, we have become increasingly isolated. By making amends, we begin to experience the joy of forgiveness and, where appropriate, reconciliation. As a result, we will begin to enter into a more caring and supportive inner circle of friends and possibly family again. As with many of these steps, we have a tendency to hesitate at the whole idea of making amends. We say to ourselves, look, haven't I actually adequately dug around in my past already? I mean, God has forgiven me. Surely that should be the end of it. And to an extent, that is true. But making amends is not about our past. It's all about our future. All of us desire to have healthy relationships. However, for this to be possible, we need to sort out those areas of pain, guilt and shame that are currently causing so many of our relationships to be unsuccessful. Step eight says that it's time to make a list of all persons that we have harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Now, what does that actually mean? 
Well, in Luke 6, verse 31, which we looked at the beginning, Jesus reminds us, here is a simple rule of thumb for behaviour. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. In other words, we treat people in the way we ourselves would like to be treated. Now, some of us will recoil at the very suggestion of this. We have been badly hurt and abused in our lives, and we weren't responsible for any of the wrong that was inflicted upon us. And our natural response to, to some past events may be, I will never forgive that person for what they did to me. I will hate them to my dying day. And in some instances, this response may be to something like sexual abuse as a child or a partner's adultery and betrayal. And these sins have caused us intense pain at the deepest level. And as these wounds have festered over the years, we have attempted to soothe the poison and the pain with our addictive medicine of choice. To try and forgive the person responsible for these offences even after we have begun to successfully deal with the emotional pain caused, quite frankly, seems a step too far. Step nine, which we'll look at next week, says this, we may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. So, bear in mind that you will not necessarily be contacting the people that you put on this week's list. You're only asked to be willing. We simply need to think about whom we will put on our list and why they are there. Even when we know we need to make amends, this is a step that is tackled over weeks, months, even years it is not going to be a list that we plough through in a matter of days because it will require wisdom, love and sensitivity and we can't rush it. Now that's great news for those of us who love to procrastinate. Anyway, how do we make amends? Let's first cast our mind back to step four where we were asked to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and this particular step revealed to us the importance of opening up to God and others. The negative things in our life that we have buried away have adversely affected many of our important relationships. We've come to see that the resentments and grudges we hold have not only hindered our recovery and sense of freedom, but they have also prevented us receiving not only God's forgiveness, but possibly uh, being restored with our friends and family. Again, in Luke 6, the, those words of Jesus that we began, that began with, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. This is the recipe that gives us joy and peace in our lives. And that's, isn't that what we long for deep down? We long to have some peace in our lives and we long to have some joy. Second, over the coming weeks, hopefully starting this week and adding to it over time, 
do we need to make this list? And you'll find a sample in your pause for thought coursework uh, this week. And on the piece of paper that you will find in there, there's a, there's a piece of paper with three columns. And we write down the name of the person we have harmed in the left-hand column. In the middle column, we write down what, they actually, what we actually did to them. And in the right-hand column, we consider in what ways we may be able to make amends. When making your list, don't get sidetracked into worrying about how you are going to make amends to the people affected. Don't ask questions such as, how do I apologise to my partner for that affair I had? How do I talk to that person I attacked? How do I ask my parents for forgiveness after what I've done for them, for the money I stole from them? It's not possible. And we may actually think that some of the people on our list deserved what we did to them. In some ways, it was payback time. We need to be aware, though, that it's just as easy and dangerous to become addicted to bitterness, hatred and revenge as it is to drugs, alcohol or any other compulsive behaviour. Have you ever met someone consumed with bitterness and resentment? Because it's not pretty, is it? The theologian Frederick Buchner wrote this, of the seven deadly sins, anger is possibly the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savour to the last toothsome morsel both the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back, in many ways it is a feast fit for a king. The chief drawback, he says, is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. The skeleton at the feast is you. Subsequently, we end up with a life dominated by the past and with little view of the future, and we become increasingly frustrated and depressed. Our unforgiving heart removes any joy or peace that we're longing for. And ultimately, it destroys us. And the really absurd thing is that the person who hurt us is not even losing sleep at night. That is the madness of resentment and bitterness. The American film producer Sandy Backham said... Resentment is like taking poison in the hope that your enemy will die. So don't get sidetracked. You know who they are, just put them on the list. The third thing we need to bear in mind when making amends is we do not expect anything back. That is absolutely key. Do not expect to get anything back. The key to successfully completing this step is attempting to apologise and make amends with humility, honesty and sincerity. 
We don't offer excuses. We don't attempt to justify our behaviour at the time. I'm really sorry for what I did, but alarm bells. It's only got three letters in it, but. I'm sorry I did that, but alarm bells ring. Don't go there. We don't try and justify what we've done wrong. We don't point the finger. We simply accept and own up to where we went wrong. And the payoff is this. When we apologise to another person and ask for their forgiveness, we begin to be set free from the pain and the fear that cause our addictive behaviour. And what is more, it doesn't matter if the other person wishes to forgive us or not. At the end of the day, it's irrelevant if we are reconciled. All I am responsible for and have power over is cleaning up my side of the street and being willing to make amends to the people I have harmed. Jesus says also in Luke 6, I tell you, love your enemies, help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way, that, the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. The fourth ingredient of making amends successfully is the timing. The author, Stacy Charter, wrote this, Life is all about timing. The unreachable becomes reachable. The unavailable become available. The unattainable, attainable. Have the patience. Wait it out. It's all about timing. It reminds me of a passage in the Old Testament in Ecclesiastes which says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. That means there may be a right time and a wrong time to make amends. Sometimes it might be right to force the pace. At other times, it is wiser to simply wait and let things happen naturally. That's why it's important to keep looking to God for guidance uh, with this. Because he knows the right time. We don't. So we need to have one ear listening out for that little voice that might, might say in our heads, no, not now, not now. Now's the wrong time. Or go on, go for it. This is going to be as good as it gets. Go for it. And we do. We hear these little promptings. We don't know whether it's God or not or just us thinking these things. But if in humility we step out and follow that thought in our heads and it turns out well, we begin to discern the voice of God in other things. If it turns out badly, you know it wasn't God because God's not going to dump us in it. But it's a wonderful way in which we begin to uh, hear from God about the things uh, that we, should, we could be doing. Now, before you even attempt to make any kind of amend whatsoever, 
discuss the issues with someone you trust. It could be a very close friend who really understands you and understands the situation. It could be your sponsor or mentor. Uh, it, it, it needs to be someone who is, uh, is going to offer you, if you like, wise counsel. As we pointed out earlier, step nine goes on to say, we may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would in injure them or others. Uh, I was thinking that I, I heard from someone, um, it, it was a lady who had been a heroin addict, and she was told me how an old boyfriend had asked if he could uh, meet up with her for a coffee. And uh, she said, yes, that would be great. And they met up for a coffee. And he'd obviously been doing a 12-step program because he said to her, I'm really sorry for the way I treated you, um, but I only went out with you for the sex. I didn't really love you, and I want to apologize for that. And he left feeling so pleased with himself. And she felt probably the smallest she'd ever felt in her life. There is a right way and a wrong way of doing this stuff. It does need wisdom. And I think as crazy addicts, fair to say we don't necessarily have the wisdom that we always need. So your sponsor is there to provide you with some objective wisdom on how to tackle the issue. And their recommendation may be that it's best to do nothing. Contacting the wronged party in an adulterous relationship you were partly responsible for may not be the best course of action, especially if that marriage is now in the process of being put back together. You turning up, even to apologise, is only going to open up old wounds that may have begun to heal. And therefore, the situation is now best left alone. If you have a burning desire to make an apology, then one can always actually sit down and write a letter as though the person was going to get it, where you really do clearly just pour out your heart onto the piece of paper. And when you've done it, you hand it over to the care of God and you destroy it. But sometimes it can just be quite good to, to get it out of the system, but it would be so wrong to touch base there. So you need to be imaginative in the way you tackle these things. In Philippians chapter 2, St. Paul advises this, each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. The big book of AA sums up step eight like this. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. And it goes on. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking 
will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. We will suddenly realise that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Tea, coffee, small groups. Thanks ever so much. <laughs>